there's another squad attacking. Welcome to the Third Party, an Apex Legends podcast hosted by myself, Shay, and joined as always by my co-host, Henry. Henry, how's it going? Henry, how do you like hearing the music as we lead into it? Because the soundboard started working again. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're coming into a pretty big week. Never uh, really having consistent intro music in our ears. Mm-hmm. It's always awesome to get the music. I mean, everyone says they love the music. We love the music, obviously. So the yep. more I can hear it, the better. And uh, yeah, we got a fun one, though. Today, we are mastering Mad Maggie. A bit of a switch up from our regular News Wednesday uh, scheduling, but we got a two-year anniversary to celebrate on Saturday, so things got to change. Uh, we're really excited to talk about Maggie, though. If you enjoy the episode, go check out our old Mastering the Legends episodes and stay tuned for our upcoming Remastering the Legends segments as well. We're really excited. I think it's a... Really great episode in terms of learning everything you can about the legends and their abilities, not only from a how to play standpoint, but you learn a lot about how to play against them just by hearing everything mm-hmm. down to the fine details and the numbers. And we try to give you the best advice we can. Yeah. So maybe you learn like you're going to unlock them, but if you're not going to yeah. unlock them, now you know how to play with and against them as well. So it's all good stuff. If you want a question answered on the show, ask it on our Discord channel meant for questions or leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. If you'd like to support the third party, please check out our Patreon. The biggest reason right now to do so is for our next third-party invitational tournament mm. that will be happening. Uh, signups will happen March 1st. And then in April, we'll have it kicked off on the 2nd. It's going to be really exciting. We're going to try a new time this uh, go around so we can try to get some EU players involved. Um, But stay tuned for more details on that. And the fastest way is to sign up on Patreon, join the the Patreon Discord, and you'll be the first to know. Yep, it's going to be totally awesome. With that, though, let's dive into a quick couple pieces of news. First piece of news, we had an update pushed out to Apex yesterday. We got Bloodhound's prestige skin challenges resetting. You're cracking me up, man. <laughs> now you're losing your mind over there with the music and stuff. Oh, they're also enabling the lever <laughs> penalty for control. Uh, they fixed some certain Bloodhound stat trackers that were not working, which if you're on socials, you saw all the info about that. And first of several updates to address some of the FPS issues on console. Are you experiencing any of these? I know we saw and kind of briefly talked about some of the Bloodhound stuff last week, but any more thoughts you want to share? Uh, no, I think that this is a nice update for Control, even though it's about to leave us and we don't really know when it's going to come back. I think this is probably a good move. I don't think that it is a, a great, complete solution on figuring out how do you Make a 9v9 fair when it turns into a 9v6. I don't know if a a lever penalty is enough to do that, but I think that it's probably a good start. Sadly, it just might be a little bit too late if we don't see control for a long time. Yeah, totally. I think that's very fair. Next piece of news. We got some interesting pick rate stuff going on. Watson's pick rate jumped to 5.8%. Sixth overall after becoming the free unlock legend last week. She was 18th to put that jump into perspective. Absolutely major with no updates or any in-game changes. Just pure unlockability really changed Watson on a drastic manner. And I believe as of right now, it's not like she's fallen right back down to the bottom. She's still getting some love and attention from people. This is really, really exciting news for us um because seeing watson's pick rate almost triple Mm -hmm. overnight is pretty interesting um considering there's no buff or nerf and that's kind of what we've been always told is how you move that dial um but evidently giving a legend away for free can also increase their popularity uh which is something that we had talked to multiple game designers including the lead game designer Mm -hmm. at the time about how does a legend being an original versus an unlockable legend affect their pick rate Mm -hmm. and our answer both times was either we don't think it has any impact or we don't know clearly we know and i'm just really excited because watson's such a unique legend from Mm -hmm. a balancing perspective 
People say she commands the win rate. She wins games. She's very effective. If she is way more popular, is that going to change her kit? Is that going to force a change? Is that going to change Apex in general? Yeah. And then more so, like Octane was a free legend, but was already the most popular in the game. So irrelevant. Now that Valkyrie is free, mm-hmm. she's a very, very appealing legend. And if you didn't have the ability to unlock her or chose not to, and now you have her for free, I think it's pretty reasonable to assume that Valk could be in the top three, if not in the top two, for a considerable amount of time once we hit the weekend. Yeah, I don't think that is crazy at all. And I think she's incredibly, incredibly popular and fun to play. And so I think we're going to get a ton of Valk. What's crazy about Watson, though, is we're seeing this on Olympus, a map directly not built for her at all. So she's still, she went down from 5.8 to 5. I pulled up the numbers. So a little bit of a drop since the free stuff came out, but obviously still a huge upgrade. And she's still in sixth overall of the Legends. But if she retains middle of the pack and then we go to Kings Canyon for the second split, we could be talking some more of a Watson meta for the first time in a while in ranked lobbies, yeah. which would be, I think, kind of cool to throw it all the way back to what season two that yeah. she was introduced. Yeah. Yeah. And all this is going to take time for sure. But man, it, it's just going to completely change the entire conversation about legend balancing yeah. in our eyes because before we were saying Watson's not a very fun legend, nobody wants to play her. This kind of says the opposite. Everybody wants to play her, but didn't have her unlocked. Yeah, yeah. If you get Watson and Valk with a huge boost in pick rate, to me, that sounds like, man, we really can't look at pick rate for balancing, if we're being completely honest, because that's yeah. just, it, it isn't a balancing thing. It, it is a money and time spent in the game kind of thing, which is too bad. But that's how a lot of, you know, these you know, hero games work that have tons of characters. So it's going to be really interesting if this is the case and we kind of see like a mini case study here and we can learn more about it, how we'll talk about balancing holistically going forward because we got no public access to numbers like win rate, which would then I guess be kind of the backup number in theory to talk about things. So we'll stay tuned. It's a really interesting thing. And I, I mean, not a lot of people are talking about it as, a, as it being a pretty big deal. But for us, it, it's something that hits home. Um, next piece of news and last piece of news for the day, though, Warzone added redeploy balloons into the game. Just had to give a little shout out. Apex going crazy, introducing all the new mechanics, as always, that are adopted by other video games. Love to see that kind of stuff. And honestly, I think it makes Warzone a little cooler, too. So, <laughs> Anything you take from Apex, you put to another game, it's going to make it better. We did a really fun episode uh that was titled something like oh, it was Every Time back. Apex Was Copied. Yeah. yeah. Or something like that. Mm-hmm. Really fun episode. Definitely check it out if you haven't. Um, but one of the things that we mentioned in that was that right after Valkyrie was released, the next season of Warzone essentially had a copycat character as mm-hmm. their leading operator. And I just learned this last week that that character named Kitsune is played by the exact same voice actor as Valkyrie. <laughs> so it's like such a mirror of Apex and just leading the way on so many games, and it seems like they're getting ripped off. It's funny how that stuff works sometimes, but yeah, it's interesting. We'll uh, we'll see if any other stuff kind of comes both ways, if we ever get Apex adopting more things as well, because it's always cool to see games pull the best elements of each other and make the overall gaming space better. Um, with that, though, Let's dive into Mastering the Legends Maggie Edition. What an interesting legend. Henry, take it away for our little intro here. So a little intro on Maggie, but also just this season. First of all, Mad Maggie was a bold pick for lore reasons as well as player sentiment after her narration of the Season 8 limited time mode. The entire idea of introducing a terrorist into the game and frame her as a freedom fighter is a very, very bold idea. Now, this season is also unique because the first season of the calendar year is historically a massive season in terms of player count. Apex has already set concurrent player records this season and high, high Twitch numbers as just 
excellent. It's the highest, uh, most watched game on the platform uh, at the start of the season. Mm-hmm. All of this said, it's a bit strange that for the most part, Respawn did hardly anything in Season 11. We got a solid release with Stormpoint, got Ash and the car, but not a whole lot of balancing, no town takeover, no new LTM, as well as just disappointing communication and bugs uh, all culminated in a lackluster season, I think, for the most part. This was also magnified and probably enforced by the fact that the competition during the holiday season was outrageous. And Mm -hmm. yeah, extremely fierce and simply left Apex behind. Now, that's fairly normal for Apex to be overshadowed during major AAA releases around the holidays. That's fine. And to not want to compete and like waste resources almost, I can understand that as well. However, season 12, the third year anniversary of Apex, during the peak season of the year, expectations were very, very high. And so Shay and I, we were given the devs a break, understanding that they were holding major content balancing for when it would make the most impact, perhaps. We did not get that, pretty plain and simply. Um, we got Maggie, very tiny Olympus update, no weapon, completely fine by me. I think we got uh, well more than enough weapons mm-hmm. last year mm-hmm. with four. Uh, that was kind of crazy. Um, the year of weapons, a great, man. Truly. Yeah, it truly. was unprecedented we'll see what happens uh going forward but we got a great ltm you know should be a permanent mode i think um at least rotated in for arenas or something uh so that's that on release a broken 160 dollars skin for the anniversary event pretty boring evolving hemlock skin and the battle pass and then a battle pass inspired by the terrorist in the games that threatened to kill every legend a little weird. Well, and so people kind of there's the complaints about the battle pass skins being a mirror of some of the older seasons. Like we're starting mm-hmm. to get into repeat themes as well, which is due to happen yeah. over time, but not not the best look, obviously. Not the best. And it's not that this is a horrible season, but the expectations were just very very high, and we think rightfully so. On top of that, from a content perspective, still no new communication or transparency with the quote-unquote new Respawn team and game director. Now that we've seen a lot of key people leave uh, Respawn and the Apex team, we haven't really had that new guard come over and introduce themselves. Yeah, and honestly, Henry, like I think that's just kind of going to be the case. From what we've learned about uh, operating and working in the gaming industry, everyone does things in a unique and different way. And some of the people that left were really big communicators with the Apex community and the people that followed suit have not, essentially. And there's no signs of that changing. There's no Reddit AMA events. There's no uh, dev streams anymore. Those are kind of just things of the past at this point, which is truly too bad. But something we always mentioned is that Apex was above and beyond on that front. And so we're now shrinking back to more of the normal AAA studio game in terms of communication, which is too bad because we were really getting accustomed to the openness that we got from the Respawn team as a whole. Yeah, it's never fun to feel like you're going backwards. Um, But I think a disappointing amount of content or balancing or however you want to frame it, season, plus still even on the anniversary even at the start of the new year not getting this like new team and bringing back some of the things you mentioned shay sad now enter maggie maggie coming into the game with a rough history uh but a decent reveal trailer and Mm -hmm. by far the most unique ultimate ability we have ever seen now the result of all these things kind of put together maggie is officially the least popular legend released in well over a year uh, with half the peak pick rate from the last previous legends, Valkyrie, Seer, and Ash. Almost all new legends peak on release at about 20% pick rate. Maggie didn't even hit 10%. Yeah. And, and on top of that, not even being talked about, like this is something we've talked about behind the scenes, mm-hmm. but like there are not content creators out here talking about Maggie in a positive or a negative way out on social media. You know, normally legends come into the game very powerful. 
It was a mistake they did early on where they released people underpowered out of fear. They kind of overcorrected in a way with some legends recently, cranking up the number of abilities, the quality of abilities, all that kind of stuff. And then you get people very frustrated about the characters. Talking about Seer as an example, where it's just like the vocalness on social media, maybe that contributes to part of the pick rate. Maggie's come in and it has been silent, which is interesting because I know you're a big fan of her abilities and that they are cranked to an incredible degree. So it is quite weird to see that she has been a low pick rate legend and a very quiet release amidst a very popular season. Yeah, it's very confusing though. Mm -hmm. Popular season, but an unpopular legend. Yeah. Kind of you have to ask why, um, considering the fact that she is powerful on paper and in game. Um, you know, from our perspective, I think when Ash released, we thought she was slightly underpowered. Yeah. You know, she could handle a little bit of a buff and some tweaking. She didn't get anything, mm-hmm. you know, and people were still complaining about her power. I think that Maggie's probably coming out uh, with more power without a doubt than Ash. And no conversation is weird. So it kind of enforces this idea that popularity doesn't equal power Mm -hmm. but i think after we go into her abilities and talk about her entire kit and her play style definitely keep an eye on in a couple months yep potentially a couple seasons maggie come back to the front of conversations because people have caught on valk valk s resurgence it took valk going to storm point to kind of get the attention that she deserved maybe I'll, i'll use the word deserved maggie could see and we're going to talk about it, but she's very strong against defensive legends. And so maybe we need a Kings Canyon-esque meta with more buildings and less of the open Olympus style for her to get that attention from the upper levels, which, you know, whether you like it or not, the people that are at the top have influence. They have a lot of people watching them, and that trickles down to a lot of new players. Um, before we get into the abilities, I just want to run an idea by you. It just top of my head, we were talking about the news and stuff, talking about Maggie, talking about pick rate. Something I think I'd love to see going forward, and maybe this is unrealistic, but why not have the new legend be free to play first week? Entice people to unlock her after a nice little play session with her. It's something that I think could make a ton of sense in terms of not just driving the legend's popularity, but driving, you know, purchases behind the game to someone new. Uh I'm all about it. Mm-hmm. All about it. I would take it infinitely further and I would say make all the legends free to play. <laughs> I, I really do. Yeah. I really think it would be good. And I would say permanently. You know, mm-hmm. I think let everybody play all the legends could only help the game. I think that it would financially help the game as well, as crazy as that might sound, uh, because people do buy legends, they do buy the champions edition. Mm-hmm. But I think it would be really, really good for the game overall. And what I would love to do as almost a replacement to this idea of progressing and unlocking legends that you want to unlock and keeping playing for that goal, what I would do is I would really implement a camo system like Call of Duty where you can master different weapons Mm -hmm. and get like an all blacked out skin. Um, And then if you get an all blacked out skin on every AR, then you get like a diamond skin or something. I think that is a really awesome idea. And that's what I would love to see the future of like Apex progression Mm -hmm. outside of the leveling system. Not necessarily being trying to unlock the next legend because I don't think that's very fun. And that's something that we've never really experienced as players. And I wouldn't want to experience that. Yeah, it's not fun. It is kind of the norm in kind of hero shooter games. So it definitely would be them going against the grain. But I feel like Apex is so extreme on one side of things. Like as someone that plays some League of Legends, you get a rotating pool of free legends that you can play, which would be kind of cool. Why not have three if like if you can't unlock them all why not have three to four of the locked legends rotate every week as being free to play it like you said it's only good to have people be playable essentially so i think there's a lot of stuff they can do and hopefully as they continue to add legends to the game we get some sort of shift like that at the very least we gotta open the number of unlocked legends for a new player that starts the game it's quite crazy when you look at the scope of things more locked than unlocked which that's crazy truly crazy. it is 
Like, okay, but back to Maggie. Let's master her, okay? We're going to talk about abilities now. Uh, but actually, maybe most important thing, we got to start with, she's the only legend with a descriptor before her name in the current state of all the legends. What do you think about that when you look at the loading screen and you see Mad Maggie versus all the other one-worders? I think it's dumb. <laughs> I mean, I definitely understand labeling her as an outsider. You know, mm-hmm. she's a criminal. She's very, very bad. I don't like her at all. Yep. Uh, from a lore perspective, I think it's actually kind of outrageous uh, what's going on on that end. But there's some explanations. Y- you know, Revenant is pretty bad too. Yeah. Yeah. He doesn't have a descriptor. No. You know, so I think it's a little strange. <laughs> I don't love it aesthetically. It's just like, I think it's funny. No one's going to nickname her Mag, Mad, though. Everyone's going to call no. her Maggie. So it's like, yeah. you know, a little weird on that front. But let's talk about her abilities because they are quite interesting. And I do believe quite good, starting with Warlord's Ire, the passive. You temporarily highlight enemies you've damaged and move faster with shotguns. So what does this mean? Damaged enemy silhouettes are visible through walls and obstacles. Maggie can walk and run with a shotgun at the same speed as when her weapon is holstered. Her speed boost also affects ADS in shotguns, resulting in an effective ADS speed penalty of 0% when compared to other weapons. Break that down, what that actually means in action, though, because I like what you were talking about before the show, that it isn't actually direct ability on the shotguns themselves, but rather the character of Maggie, unlike Rampart. Yeah, it's really, really different, and I think hard to comprehend. Um, when you're playing Maggie, you definitely feel it. You know, mm-hmm. like that mm-hmm. is without question. Um, but taking a look at the numbers and explaining what exactly this means of a 0% ADS speed penalty mm-hmm. is kind of nuts. So when you holster a weapon, it makes you 15% faster. So, you know, that's that. When you're not, Use, or when you are using your weapon, you're 15% slower. Just holding when, it, not ADS. Yeah. Just holding it and running around. Running around. When you're aiming down sights with a shotgun, your movement speed is reduced by 10%. And that is different with all different classes of weapons. But mm-hmm. shotgun is the lowest um, besides the pistols. Um, this means that Maggie is essentially 25% faster actively using a shotgun while aiming down sights. Crazy. That's really nuts because if we think about another legend that can kind of for a long time uh, run faster, move faster, the only example is really Bloodhound. Mm-hmm. So Bloodhound in their ult, aiming with the shotgun, is only 20% faster in terms of movement speed, 30% while not aiming. Um, but you kind of compare Bloodhound's ultimate in terms of a movement ability to half of Maggie's passive ability with shotguns, wow, like 25% faster while using it is lightning fast when you think about, wow, Bloodhound is right there. Yeah. Bloodhound's fast Mm -hmm. while in ult. It's crazy. It it truly is crazy to think about. So let's talk a bit about how to maximize it. And as we've kind of mentioned, the passive revolves around shotguns. So if you love shotguns, if that is your go-to weapon, Maggie? She's probably for you, or at least someone you should throw into your rotation. With shotguns, though, we kind of still take a similar stance. Like, if you're confident in your ability to use them, always use one with Maggie. It's a waste if you're not. But if you're not a shotgun player, don't force yourself to use a shotgun. Just because if you're going to miss every shot, it doesn't matter how fast you are. And I know that's how a lot of people do feel running with shotguns. But honestly, if you're not a shotgun player, if you're a huge shotgun hater... Maggie is just probably not the legend for you. There's more kits out there you can maximize and get more out of. Um, if you have a shotgun, though, and you're running as Maggie, keep it out at all times. No reason not to. With no movement penalty, there's just no consequence for staying battle-ready at all times. For the random team that runs up on you or you happen to run across a random person as well, this stuff happens in Apex all the time, and this is a huge advantage in terms of just not having to unholster your weapon which is something i feel like we've gotten so accustomed to you don't really notice the difference until you're playing maggie for long periods of time and you start to kind of notice this uh in terms of how you else you maximize this when you're up in combat get up close and personal use your shotguns maximize that huge movement advantage we're talking about 
chaining this ability on top with other movement abilities like her ult, which we'll talk about later, you can just create some insane speed that makes it so difficult for players to shoot you if you're maximizing your strafing. In general, with Maggie and shotguns, though, because of your lack of a movement penalty, strafe a lot, stay moving during combat, and just really, really do not worry about what you're doing when you got a shotgun in your hands is Maggie. Just run around like you're mad, essentially. Like you just gotta you gotta run the shotgun if you're gonna maximize her in the passive. Um, talk to me about the shotgun. Any other thoughts you have before we dive into the recon side of things? I really think it's strong. Mm-hmm. I, I feel very uh, confident in the strength of that shotgun element of the passive. I'm not a big shotgun advocate, mm-hmm. um, but playing as Maggie and against Maggie. The speed is outrageous. It is incredibly demoralizing uh, having a Maggie come up to pump you with a Peacekeeper and move faster than really any other legend can yep. while like, aiming down sights and choking a PK. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know if you can really comprehend that as a player of this game yeah. uh, before seeing or playing as Maggie. It's just like, that one use case pretty much means her passive is in the upper echelons, mm-hmm. I think, even though it's so specialized. So specialized. But that passive, plus a PK, plus a kinetic feeder, it wow. is something crazy at the start of the season. Uh, in terms of the recon ability, though, truly, it's not a long period of time where the person's revealed. It's not like you're going to be using this to make huge callouts and long-range engagements and poking away at people. The best use of this, though, is when you're pushing someone, being able to recognize, are they, you know, if, if you hit them and they duck around cover, are they waiting on that corner to shoot? Are they healing on that corner? Or are they turning and running away? You can just adjust how aggressive you are and your decisions accordingly based on that. The, the recon is just not the biggest thing. It's a nice little like benefit is how I will say it. Like, I don't think it's going to be the essence of her kit. The shotgun passive matters more. It's a nice little benefit. The tip is use the knowledge when you can, but truly you can't count on it either at the same time. I look at the recon as, like you said, a very, very minor element of her entire kit, Mm -hmm. but I don't even think the duration is long enough to really get confident intel on, is this person going to, heal themselves are they going to revive are they running away are they jumping you don't really get enough in that snapshot most situations what i think is nice about it is if you're kind of in grass behind trees you get a really clear picture of where this person is are they crouching are they standing Mm -hmm. and then you can follow up with another shot you know like it it's not long enough to really make a plan Mm -hmm. but i think it just gives you that added highlighted visibility Mm -hmm. to place that next shot really well yeah and and because the benefit comes at close range it's hard to get the benefit out of it at all because you're already up close and personal with them in either situation so definitely one on the more interesting side in terms of why we talk about the why it's in a person's kit let's talk about the tactical though now one that I think is getting a lot of attention from people in the lead up to the season and maybe has not gotten discussion lately. We got the riot drill. So fire a drill that attaches to an obstacle and burns enemies on the other side. Got a cooldown of 22 seconds and a true cooldown of 13 seconds. Remind the listeners what true cooldown means, HB. So true cooldown was a concept that we came up with during our episode on tacticals versus ultimates. Mm-hmm. Really awesome thing. We went into it for a long time on that episode, but essentially the true cooldown is how often can you have this ability active? So based off of when the cooldown starts, whether it's when you use it or after it expires, that's going to affect how frequently you can have an ability deployed. Um, So for example, Gibraltar is kind of affected on the highest end for a true tactical because it takes 42 seconds for him to get another mm-hmm. uh, bubble. Maggie, you know, it's cut in half because she pretty much gets to recharge her tactical while her tactical is still active and yep. dealing damage and controlling space and all that stuff. So it definitely benefits her when we look at the true cooldown. 
In terms of the kind of the logistics of this ability, the drill cannot be destroyed once attached to an obstacle. You can drill through a surface of uh, a wall or prop up to 13 meters. You have an indicator on the screen that will show the detected depth. I'm going to be completely honest with you. Haven't truly maximized how to get the most out of that yet, but it is a nice thing, I think, for the people that are truly, truly going to like main Maggie is like starting to understand what each building surfaces and walls look like to know before you even fire things, hey, this is going to be effective on this kind of team in this building kind of thing. Um, but when attached, a flare will shoot out on the other side, takes about one second to activate after attaching, and deals a total of 160 damage over nine seconds. The flare depth is five meters. If it hits an enemy directly, it will deal five damage and bounce off of them. I also think that's the funniest thing because I feel like that drill is intense. If you hit somebody with it, it feels like God, maybe gotta be more than five, right? Like, <laughs> uh, yeah, we can't even get double digits. Like, no, we can't. Most things we can get ten out of, but no. not this one. It's crazy. This is the highest damage dealing tactical in the game, which by a lot. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of crazy. <laughs> it, it is kind of ridiculous to look at the numbers behind this tactical because the true cooldown places this tactical as one of the fastest in the game. Mm-hmm. Bangalore is at 10 seconds true cooldown. Fuse is just over at 14 seconds of true cooldown. 13 again as Maggie. So really fast. You can use it all the time. And Fuse's tactical can do a maximum of around 80 damage. So that's doubled by Maggie's. Mm -hmm. Um, Just in terms of controlling corners, dealing damage, this is very, very powerful and it really isn't close. This is just strong, period. Let's talk about how to use it though. Some tips for this. Uh, Pretty strong counter for the defensive legends. Mentioned it at the top of the show, but it counters Caustic, Watson, and Rampart pretty well. You know, they destroys their abilities essentially. Um, Caustic, obviously, a little bit weirder on that. But when we look at the total damage and now and how much damage it takes to destroy a Caustic barrel, you know, kind of interesting. Uh, Caustic and Rampart have a 20 second cooldown. Watson, 15 second tactical cooldown. And you look at that in comparison to, you know, Maggie, we look at a cooldown of 22 seconds. And Henry and I have had some really dang frustrating games where a Maggie is just absolutely wrecking our defensive setup. And I think this drill has two strength, two main strong use cases. I think there's a lot of utility for this uh, ability in general. But first, Finishing someone that is knocked and kind of bundling that with stopping an attempted revive behind the corner um, or forcing people out of cover, essentially. So you go into your fight and you say, hey, I knocked this legend over here. We talked about Seer in the past as being just a crazy good finisher because he could cancel revives. But if you knock someone, they crawl behind cover, you can just preactively or proactively activate this tactical and you're going to either stop people from trying to res, damage people while they're trying to res, or maybe just get in the limb right off the bat. Otherwise, you know, if you're in a one-on-one with someone, they're ducking behind cover, you're behind cover, you can get free shots pretty easily with this tactical by just put, popping this thing on their uh, box or wherever. I think it's really dang good for those like one-on-ones or even just the straight team fights kind of a finishing ability in theory. I, I certainly agree. Yep. And truly, this counters a lot of defensive, not just legends, but strategies in the game. Destroy doors. Imagine how many times you've you know had a use case for someone's playing a door right behind you. Henry and I were cracking up at the first couple days of the season when we were just wrecking people that were doing their door healing with Maggie, and all of a sudden, they're absolutely destroyed. This thing destroys Watts and Olds also, which is kind of crazy. It's not going to do it all in one. But over time, you can mess up a a defensive setup of a Watson. Apply some pressure to a Gibby Bubble. We'll get more into that later. Your options for messing up a defensive setup, though, with this ability are really endless. And on top of that, you got to remember, floors or ceilings, if you're in a multi-story area, are totally, totally acceptable. And this ability to just light a fire under or on top of people all of a sudden and force people to move out of areas they want to be in, that's something pretty dang valuable. And as we get later into the game, the ability gets stronger as well. 
the smaller that ring is, the more teams start relying on smaller areas of cover. And that creates a large opportunity to force people into areas they don't want to be. Yeah, I, I really think that this ability is powerful, not necessarily because of the impact of its pressure behind cover or on walls or roofs, because really it isn't like it's blowing up a, a door or a, a wall. You know, it, it's not a huge explosion that's dominating the space. It's this pinhole flare that's coming in that does a lot of damage. But the power here right now, I think, is the frequency and the speed that you can activate. It's just so crazy how much pressure you can put on the defensive legends, but just any team that's in cover, um, just because it's going to be frequent and it's really never going to stop. And when we think about the true cooldowns, her tactical is faster than what a Watson, Rampart, or Caustic can replace. Mm-hmm. You're just going to outpace any defensive legend with this counter. And that's something to you know consider when you're planning your meta and you're deciding, who do I want to have on my team? Maybe Maggie is a really strong option. Yeah. Before we get into the ultimate, though, here's a quick word from our sponsors. Welcome back. Let's dive into the ultimate. We got the wrecking ball. You throw a ball that releases speed-boosting pads and detonates near enemies. Cooldown of 90 seconds and a true cooldown of 30 seconds. A little bit of a weird one where the true cooldown, we're talking about the pads. Obviously, the ball gets destroyed, whether it's running into someone else or bouncing a couple times off the walls. But the pads do remain out there for a long time, and there is value in the speed boost that you get from using this ability. Diving into the details of it, though, when released, the ball bounces off the floors, ceilings, and walls. Upon hitting a wall, a speed boost pad is placed in a zigzag pattern. Stepping on them provides a maximum 30% speed boost. Does not stack with the other ones, though, as well. Good note. And the speed boost lasts for 3 seconds. Boost pads disappear after 60 seconds after the ball explodes. Can break through doors and will eventually explode, dealing a maximum of 20 damage as well as stunning nearby enemies and Maggie. Henry, what were your first thoughts on seeing this ability in action for the first time? Because it is kind of a spectacle, essentially. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it, it really is. I don't think there's anything like it in Apex in terms of a visual. Early on in previous episodes, I've kind of voiced my opinions on how this was designed conceptually. I think it's very weird mm-hmm. just having a wrecking ball as a kit. It's it's strange. You've never <laughs> seen that before. Uh, at least I haven't in a shooter. Uh, so I think it's a little strange and hard to build into a character model. But the biggest thing here is the knockback and stun effect of yeah. this ultimate. That it just will knock you out if you're hit directly. It's so interesting, though, because we've seen a stun ability just cause so much uproar in the community. Yes, we have. And we're not getting that out of Maggie. Is it because it's attached to an ultimate and it's maybe it's harder to do, but it's still just a huge ender. Like getting stunned on top of the knock is absolutely devastating right now. And really interesting to me that we're not hearing the community talk about it in either a positive or a negative way. Yeah, I mean, you can't say that the cooldown of this ultimate isn't super, super fast. Yeah. You know, it's the second fastest cooldown in the game. And I'm not sure if uh, ultimate that gives your entire team mobility, does damage and stuns and knocks back people should be on the same level as something like an Octane launch pad. You yeah. know, like there's a lot of utility coming out of this thing. And right now it's very frequent. With a yeah. low, low cooldown. Let's talk about some tips, though. And coming back to the idea of messing up defensive teams, door destruction. If you need to break into a building, yes, you got your riot drill, but also now you got a wrecking ball that can do damage and stun. If enemies are inside, leading with a wrecking ball to burst a door, stun people, knock them up, is such a quick way to just absolutely mess somebody up, especially if you're in a smaller building. And Something we talked about earlier in the show, that's not something you're truly seeing on Olympus. And it might be something that, until we get to other building styles on some of our older maps, that you don't kind of see some of the frustration boil over with teams trying to hold buildings against a Maggie. 
I truly like using this ability as an instant engage as well when you see people close range. Like Henry said, cooldown's so short, you have it during so many fights. If people try and push you aggressively or you're getting on top of people, lead with this. The stun is just so intense. And if you hit it, you get such a big advantage over other people. Um, I also see people talking about using it as a rotate. I don't think it's a bad option. It gives your team a little bit of a speed boost when rotating in the open. I don't think it's comparable to some of the other movement abilities in the game that we use as a rotate. But keep in mind, the people can follow you. So it's not really an escape kind of ability. It's more of a preemptive open area. Try to just do a little something to get some extra rotating ability in there. And when you got those pads out, maximize them. You know, you can increase your strafe speed temporarily. You can make sliding really intense. It makes yourself just truly hard to hit. You couple it with the shotgun passive like we talked about earlier, and you got a truly, truly devastating style of a push to mix people up with. Yeah, it's a very offensive ability. Mm-hmm. Um, as much as you might want to use it in situations of running away, it, it can be done. It's not really designed for that. Um, you know, increasing movement speed by 30% for the entire team is something that we don't have in any other legend ability. Um, and kind of what you were hinting at, the activation time being so fast. Yeah. Um, this isn't, you know, technically considered an area of effect ultimate, like a Gibraltar ultimate or Bangalore or Caustic, but it does deal damage. It does force enemies to move out of the way. And mm-hmm. the fact that you can whip it out so quickly and it's on a cooldown that's essentially half of what you might compare it to, that's really impressive. Yeah. Uh, that If you master this ability coupled with the rest of her kit, you are an offensive powerhouse. Yep. You are anti-defense in a very different way uh, from a crypto, to say the least. Yeah. But it's, it's a tough ability still to use, though. Hard to aim and like a quick activation. It's not very forgiving. Um, and so it's hard to kind of use in any type of open area, which is why using it to push people that are on the defense is such a nice kind of function for this ability but overall she just has a really like you said aggressive and offensive kit i'm interested to monitor her kind of going forward and seeing how these abilities come to be in the next couple of uh, seasons we want to keep things rolling though and talk about some of the team comps and such for her yeah so team comps for maggie um, essentially what you're looking at is offense and closing the gap so that you can be shotgun range Um, Whenever we talk about team compositions uh, in Mastering the Legends, we don't necessarily think about uh, focusing on a specific strategy or trying to win games or ranked or pubs. We think about maximizing that individual legend's power, something very, very specific. Um, Some ideas of how to do that with Maggie would be pair Maggie with Bloodhound and Fuse. Um, from a lore perspective, it's kind of a funny uh, trifecta just because there's a little bit of a triangle going on there. The team um, chemistry might not be great. <laughs> yeah, it, it may not be great, but <laughs> that aside, um, this is kind of a, a really good Maggie team comp because Fuse and Maggie both have these damage dealing tacticals and ultimates that are kind of good at the same ranges when we think about engaging and closing the gap and starting fights quickly. They really rhyme each other in that way. And Bloodhound having the ultimate for speed and having the scan in order to call these shots of offense, always a really good recipe. Uh, 100% for sure. Another idea uh, is Maggie. And we kind of think about closing the gap, being out in the open. Uh, Maggie and Gibraltar. Pairing these two together, um, there's not really a legend in the game that can play edge uh, more effectively than Gibraltar. And if you have Gibraltar kind of covering the back of Maggie, you can instigate a lot of fights and be aggressive on the edge, kind of gatekeeping almost or playing ringside um, as a really cool strategy. And then as a third for this team comp, slotting in Loba um, Mm -hmm. as kind of the fuel to the shotgun fire that Maggie is. Uh, it's hard not to recommend that when a third of Maggie's kit is shotgun-focused. You really need to get her a shotgun in order to maximize her kit. So that's where Loba's going to come in to play. I love the Maggie-Gibraltar combo. I mean, the bubble fights are so, yeah. you know, kind of 
shotgun emphasized. And so having either your Gibraltar on a shotgun or another character on a shotgun plus Magia really effectively on a shotgun, uh, that's a really good duo for winning some up-close bubble fights, no doubt. Absolutely. And then finally, I think if we think about offense, there's one other legend that really is all offense all the time, and that's Revenant. So coupling Maggie with Revenant and allowing Maggie to go into a situation with the shotgun, with the movement, and death protection is a really, really good idea. Because when we think about shotguns, we think about maximizing that damage per second. And when we think about Revenant's ultimate, that's exactly what we want to do. Deal a lot of chunk damage in a quick amount of time, focus Mm -hmm. that fire. And so that combo there is going to be strong. Adding a third onto Revenant, I think you have a lot of options. Lifeline is a good option. Seer with the ultimate is a good option. Crypto is a good option. Bangalore is a good option. Octane. It kind of goes on and on and on, um, depending on what you want to do. But I think Maggie and Revenant, I think they have a lot in common about how I feel about their characters. But the combination of the ultimates and the passives, I think, is a really strong combo. Talk to me about the Gibraltar death that people were talking about leading up into the season. Everyone saw the riot drill go through the bubble and were worried for the sake of Gibraltar's health. Uh, How's he doing? Is he still alive and operating well as our resident Gibraltar man? Yeah, so, I mean, in our Mastering Legends earlier, we talked about Rampart, Caustic, Watson. She poses a legitimate threat uh, to -hmm. all those, specifically Rampart, um, just because Watson doesn't really have to mind her fences. Caustic doesn't really have to mind the fences. Rampart needs to be on the wall. Yeah. And Maggie doesn't let that happen. So I mm-hmm. think Maggie is a much larger threat to Rampart uh, than she is to really anybody else and definitely Gibraltar. Um, we can maybe save that conversation for another, another time, whether or not <laughs> we should be focusing on Rampart and trying to bring her power down. But that aside, um, no, Gibraltar is not dead. I don't think Gibraltar is in no way under a serious threat uh, by Maggie. The one thing that she does do quite effectively is deny bubble revives. Um, Mm -hmm. That's a really vulnerable situation uh, for Gibraltar to be in. And a lot of times you're going to be pulling off a revive while you're on the edge of a bubble. And so that's kind of where you're most at risk for getting Mm -hmm. hit by a Maggie tactical. Um, But from a simple math perspective, Maggie's tactical burns five meters. And the diameter of Gibby's tactical is 12 meters. So it's very easily avoidable, you know, not only in the closest like portion you could be away from the flame, you got, you know, more than double the room to move. Mm-hmm. But also when we think about the size of this flare, you have about 93% of the Gibraltar bubble being safe against an active Maggie tactical. So Really, it is not a threat in terms of playing bubbles, being on the edge, having a a Maggie put some pressure on you. Gibby bubble is big, bigger than you might uh, think. You got a lot of room to move. And the best Gibraltars are going to figure out, okay, a Maggie team is what I'm fighting against. I need to stick this bubble res. I'm going to throw this bubble slightly further than I would have. And so the exactly. angle at which you know a Maggie riot drill is coming in just isn't going to do anything. And yeah. I think because of that, we're getting the answer to our next question, which is, will Mad Maggie break into competitive Apex? And we were talking about, you know, if you're going up against a, if your goal is to counter a legend that's a 100% pick rate in comp, you might have a space in competitive Apex. But like you just mentioned, she's not really doing that right now. (laughs) Yeah, she's just not. It's pretty simple to me. Um, I'm definitely open to having conversations and trying changes to Gibraltar in order to move the the competitive meta around. I think it's a pretty good meta to watch and to play. Um, So I'm not necessarily recommending it, but I am open to it because 100%, that's never really a great thing. And I think our minds, so even want to be mindful of that, even (laughs) when it's your fave. Mm -hmm. Um, But there's just no chance that, Maggie comes into the ALGS anytime soon. Um, you'd have to be a, a much bigger counter uh, to Gibraltar. Mm-hmm. And 
you know, unless a very prominent defensive meta returns um, to the ALGS, I don't think anybody's going to risk trying Maggie uh, at that level. Yeah, I think that's very fair. What are some of the counters we're looking at to Maggie, though, uh, in terms of, you know, we've talked a lot about she kind of tries to counter Gibby, who counters her? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, Counters for Maggie is interesting because she essentially is a defensive counter legend. Mm -hmm. Um, The best way to defeat her is by playing out in the open and at medium-long ranges. You know, she wants to close the gap. She's close quarters with the shotgun. The best legends at this are probably... Bangalore, Gibraltar, Fuse, Valkyrie, Ash, Pathfinder um, as kind of medium range legends. It's not a very precise counter, but certainly the counter to Maggie is more aggression and using LMGs, Mm -hmm. using ARs, using marksmans to try to keep her back and not allow her to use all of her abilities that are quick. And so if you can kind of pin her out in the open uh, where she doesn't want to be, that's how you're going to be most effective at countering Maggie. Yeah. Overall, though, Maggie is a very aggressive offensive legend that can absolutely apply pressure to defensive teams. Like, that's kind of the core of her kit. Um, I think she's really dang fun to play, honestly, especially as someone that enjoys using shotguns. Uh, I love in, that you have in here about the pushing through a Bangalore ult because of the best highlight I think we've ever seen in Apex Legends uh, and our, on our first day of playing her uh, that we had pushing through a Bangalore ult. Uh, but in general, yeah, she's she's really dang fun. Where do you stand on her? I think she's powerful. I think she's powerful. I think she's fun. I think she's unique. Um you know, I, I think about how difficult is Maggie. Do you, do you think that she's approachable, a, a quick unlock? Do you think new players should try out Maggie? Where would you put her? Yeah, I, I think she's on the harder side. And I think that not because of her tactical and ultimate, but because of the passive. To get the most out of her, you have to use shotguns. And shotguns yeah. are not an easy weapon to use. And so yeah. if you're a shotgun player, you're going to be able to have some fun on Maggie. If you don't really like shotguns, you can still enjoy the tactical and the ultimate, but you're just not getting a lot out of the character's core gameplay at that point. Yeah, we've talked a lot about Maggie being fast, fast in her movement, fast in her cooldowns, but also her abilities are very precise. Yeah, yeah. Shotguns are a precision weapon, almost, in Apex. High risk, high reward, you got to hit your shots. The tactical is very precise, and the ultimate, given its speed, it's very easy to miss entirely because of his activation time and actually how fast the ball moves. So you're thinking about speed and precision. That's a really difficult combination. So I think you're right that she's probably on the harder legends to master Mm -hmm. um, because the focus on the mobility and the movement and then just speed and precision is her middle name. I think that's very well said, and that's going to wrap things up, though. Thank you to our producer of the third party, 10, as well as our dropship captain, Luke, who support us over on Patreon. Subscribe and Apple Pods, drop a follow on Spotify, and check out the Discord via the link in the description. Thank you so much for listening to the third party podcast. We'll catch you next time. Peace. Hey now, another squad coming in. Boom, whole squad down. Maybe tomorrow.